This is Paradoxical, the podcast about the psychology behind big success in small business. I'm your host, Steve McCready, just me today doing a solo episode. Hey, I hope you're doing well wherever you are and enjoying your summer. Um, It is, I I actually probably should be outside today instead of inside recording this because it's um, a wonderfully mild day uh, that is mild by Sacramento summer standards, meaning we're just in like the mid to upper 80s today. And um, so, yeah, I probably should be outside enjoying it, but I've got a podcast to produce and I've got some thoughts that I wanted to uh, make sure to capture. I started to say like to get down on tape, uh, which belies my history of actually working in radio when we did actually record things on tape, but um, some things that I wanted to record while they were fresh in my mind. Thus, here I am. And so the place I want to start with that is uh, by introducing a framework that I learned during my time in Al-Anon. Now, for any of you who aren't familiar with it, Al-Anon is a 12-step program, and it is a 12-step program specifically designed for people who have a relative, friend, or loved one who has or has had a problem with alcoholism. And in my case, that was actually both of my parents. So my time in Al-Anon was really helpful for me in a number of different ways. And um, without getting into a debate or discussion about 12-step, about whether 12-step programs work, help, et cetera, maybe I'll get into that another time if it's relevant to this particular show. But suffice it to say, there were definitely some concepts and ideas I learned there that have been really useful to me. And this one was a framework. And it is essentially a framework for healing and growth that uh, is simply called the three A's. Why? Well, because the three parts of it all start with A, awareness, acceptance, and action. So we start with awareness. Awareness is simply seeing, knowing, having a conscious recognition of what is going on. Now, that could be a mix of the events that are happening, the realities of your environment, also the feelings that you're having, right? It's both of those things. So in a personal context, that might be about, you know, what, what behavior uh, you're doing, what behavior someone else is doing, um, what sort of feelings you're having around that in a business context, it could also expand other things that are going on in the business, how much revenue is coming in, what your costs are, uh, what's happening as far as, you know, sales, that, that sort of thing. So any of that, it's just having access to, or awareness of the data that is available to you. Now that data, again, feelings, thoughts, facts, Etc. It turns out that as humans are pretty good at denial in a lot of different ways. That sometimes is a thing that develops because it is, um, at times it can be actually kind of a survival skill. It helps you not get overwhelmed by feelings. At times it can be just something that you don't like and don't want to have to deal with. At times it's because we live in a society that has given us a lot of messages that says, well, certain things we cannot deal with or we can defer or we can put them off. Um, And part of it is because our brains are unfortunately a little too present focused for our own good. There's an aspect to that related to survival that's great, but it is also exactly the same reason why we might do something like smoke and not worry about the fact that in 50 years that might give us COPD and kill us a little bit early or maybe less than 50 years. But um, today it's, it's fine. And that's another thing that gets, gets in the way. So the awareness is just having all of the information laid out there for you. And it is obviously fundamentally important. And the thing that is happens a little bit less often than a lot of us might like to acknowledge or see 
And really important in a business context, this is where getting things like reports and making sure those reports are providing you with useful and important data, making sure you are having conversations with the right people, with your clients, your customers, um, your team, et cetera, so you have access to all the information, not avoiding those conversations, not avoiding looking at those reports, but going out and getting that stuff. Because the information, as they say, right, information is power, absolutely true information can also be a little scary and uncomfortable. So the second piece of this framework is acceptance. And this I want to talk about primarily because I think acceptance is a word people often conflate with endorsement. And for purposes of this framework, and certainly in how I talk about acceptance, it's more related to the way that the Buddhists look at it, which is acceptance is merely an acknowledgement of what is. It is not an endorsement. It is not any anything opinion-wise. It's just this is what is, right? I have $20 in my bank account. Uh, my partner has just left me or whatever whatever thing it might be. This is another place where our avoidance of discomfort, the fact that there are a lot of ways in our world and our society that are really easy to um, distract ourselves, to you know, not look at these truths becomes a real problem. It becomes very easy to ignore those things, to set them aside, to minimize them because we don't want the uncomfortable feelings that will come up of whatever kind. That's often a driver. And that is setting the stage for some real problems later, even if in the moment it helps us feel a little bit more calm, centered, relaxed, a little less freaked out. So now I'm going to swerve over into the realm of business literature and make a connection. And uh, the connection is going to be with Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, which I'm sure a number of you have read. If you haven't, it is one of my favorite business books. It is unlike most business books you will ever read. It's really very interesting, very digestible, and has some incredibly useful and powerful concepts in it. Um, so highly, highly recommended. And uh, from that, I'm going to talk about the Stockdale paradox specifically. And I'm going I'm to actually quote here um, from the book. So the Stockdale paradox goes something like this. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. So it's finding this way to look at the truth, to look at, to accept what's going on, the challenges, the problems, the threats of your situation, and still hold on to this faith, this determination to go forward, to succeed, to persist. Really challenging concept, but really powerful if and when you can embrace it. Now, where Collins illustrates this in his book is in one of his uh, comparison pairs of companies. And the way Collins works in a lot of his books is he does these um, these studies where he'll take a bunch of companies and find these matched pairs that are very similar in certain ways, but have very different sorts of experiences. Uh, one growing while one not doesn't grow. And that's the case, good to great um, and things like that. And so in this case, it was specifically two grocery store chains, Kroger and A&P and referencing some things that happened in the 60s. And what he talks about is that there were a lot of changes going on at that time and that 
uh, and P started to do some experiments, trying to trying different concepts. And then they found, they, they started this thing called golden key, these different sorts of like almost super stores. And they saw that that's what customers seemed to like and what customers seemed to be wanting more and more. But that made them very uncomfortable because they realized there's going to be a lot of cost involved in updating their stores, making changes and that sort of thing. So they basically just dismissed that data. Kroger in their research and in their testing came to the same conclusion as far as the changes, because we're dealing with the same people, right? We're dealing with the American consumer in grocery stores. And what they instead decided to do is to go and go, okay, we need to embrace this. We need to confront these brutal facts. Things are changing. That means our business is going to have to change and evolve. And that's one of the reasons why Kroger became a lot bigger, a lot more successful and A&P not so much. When you don't engage in awareness, when you don't engage in acceptance, what happens is you are cutting yourself off from a ton of really important data. Yes, it might be uncomfortable data. It might be downright scary. It might make you wonder, like, how am I possibly going to navigate this situation or this challenge? Let's say you were going to go on a road trip and the weather forecast said, well, it's going to be snowing very heavily and it's going to be very windy. And you were like, I don't like that. I don't like driving in bad weather conditions, but I need to make this trip. And um, so I'm just going to cross my fingers and hope for the best and act like it's not going to snow or something like that, which is, of course, in and of itself sounds ridiculous, but it also illustrates the the folly of not engaging in acceptance and awareness, right? Because when you know that, you can go, okay, well, let me see. I don't like this. Maybe I need to postpone the trip. Maybe there's not a safe way to make the trip. Or I need to consider other options. I need to do the preparation of making sure my car is equipped to drive in harder conditions. I need to be willing to go slower. I need to be willing to stop if things become too problematic. And sure, that might create some real challenges for you on your trip. And what happens if you just ignore the fact that those are the conditions and you go off like it's a nice summery day? That's not going to end well. And when we don't engage in awareness and acceptance. That is exactly what we're setting ourselves up for. And it doesn't matter if you're talking about your personal life, your business life, or anything. It's just a real problem waiting to happen. So you engage in awareness, you engage in acceptance, you have this whole set of data, of facts, of circumstances laid out before you, and it has you really, really stressed out, freaked out, upset, worried, engaged in self-doubt, whatever it is, like, I don't know how the heck I'm going to deal with this. That's really uncomfortable, but it's also really important if that's the truth, because then what you have is the set of data you need to start developing your plan for the third A, action, figuring out what can I do here? What are the things I need to do to move forward, to continue on my quest, to continue my journey? A place that we can really get messed up here is getting too focused on the outcome instead of on our next action, instead of on what are the steps we need to navigate this next piece. Sure, we might have a plan for overall what we want to do, but we need to really focus from an action standpoint on what is the next action or the next set of actions we're going to take. Because you're going to take some actions. Those are going to have certain outcomes. Some other things are going to happen. And then you're going to be in a situation where you, again, will need to engage awareness and acceptance and then identify some new actions possibly, or you might just continue the ones that you had, right? So there's this, see what's going on, allow yourself to sit with it, to be present with it, to accept it, develop an action plan, 
take action. That generates some new data to be aware of, to work on acceptance around, to lead to new action, right? So it's a spiral of sorts. And I like to use spiral instead of cycle because I think of these things as things that either go upward or downward. And if you are really engaging awareness and acceptance, it'll help you to take the best actions that you can, which gives you the best chance of building an upward, a positive spiral. And if you don't engage in awareness and action or awareness and acceptance, rather, you really have a much better chance of ending up in a downward spiral, which we don't want. Learning to sit and be present with some of these very big, scary, uncomfortable truths, whether they're feelings that you're having, whether they're facts of a situation, is a lot of work. It is harder than most people think it would be and often think it should be, which can trigger shame, which is a whole other problem I'm not even going to get into. But it can be really, really challenging because our brain isn't always really good at default at seeing a feeling or a data point for what it is. It's it's a bit of information and it's not acting on us in that moment in some problematic way. It's just some data. And if we can find practices that work for us to be able to create at least enough space where we can be present with that thing, where we can coexist with that thing, that gives us the ability to then study it, understand it, and start building an action plan. Doing that, like so many things, is a practice. And with anything that generates fear and distress, uh, one of the commonly known treatments for various phobias is what's called exposure therapy, which is basically where you take the person who, whatever thing they're afraid of, and you expose them to it in uh, bigger and longer ways. So let's say they're afraid of snakes. You might start by having them look at a picture of a snake. You find wherever they really start to get, get distressed about, and you find kind of the right spot and you know have them be in that space that's uncomfortable but doable and have them do that for a while. And when they get to where that's less activating, less distressing to them, then you move to the right next level. So it might be be in a room with a snake who's in a terrarium, you know, but on the other side of the room. And it might be be closer. Then it might be be sitting next to the terrarium. Then it might be getting to a point of having someone else hold the snake. You get the idea. Something you can do in a lot of contexts to help you with this when there's something that's getting you very upset is to look for a similar situation or similar experience in your past that you have dealt with effectively and successfully. Find a related win, and you can use that to help give you more understanding and more confidence that actually maybe you're more capable of solving this than you might think. That's one way. Another way is taking it and breaking it down into smaller and smaller pieces until you start to see pieces that feel manageable. This is the, how do you eat an elephant? one bite at a time thing. And then one more is look for case studies, for stories, other people who have navigated similar situations and challenges. How did they do it? What was it that they did? Can you emulate or copy some of that? And that may be a route for you to be able to provide some success as well. Like any practice, this is something that gets easier with repetition, that you'll get better at, with practice that will become more comfortable, that will become ultimately even more automatic in some cases. But at first, man, it can be really, really uncomfortable and um, really exhausting. This is a good example of one of the places where being 
willing to go slow, to give yourself permission to take breaks, and really actively engaging self-care is going to be really, really important. I've used this metaphor before. It is like going on a road trip. If you're driving uphill on rough roads under difficult conditions, you're going to burn a lot more gas than if you're coasting downhill on a smooth street freeway, and you're going to have to plan accordingly. And this is definitely, at first at least, something that is an uncomfortable uphill journey for many people. That doesn't mean it can't be navigated. It just means it's uncomfortable and it's important to plan accordingly because that is how you'll be able to persist in it, to take good action, and to be able to build your way towards success and getting through some challenges that after the fact, you'll be kind of amazed. Like, I, what, I did that? And that's that's always really exciting for people. And I've, I love it when clients do that. They're like, oh my God, like I actually made it through. And I'm usually standing there like, yeah, because I know what people are capable of, uh, especially when you take some of these processes and follow them and do all that. Um, but it's still great to see because it's so empowering to them to recognize what they're capable of. And um, having those sorts of breakthroughs can be really jumping off points for them and being able to go on to bigger and better things, which is really cool. So um, I, I know in some of my past solo episodes, I've thrown in some kind of a review of some kind, and um, I don't have one of those for you today. So if uh, you are looking forward to that, I apologize. Uh, I will just use this moment to give you another endorsement for if you haven't read Good to Great by Jim Collins, pick it up and read it. It's an older book, but it is still very relevant. The concepts are very powerful and they absolutely can help you uh, go places with your business. And actually, I, I would even argue a lot of them could be very much applied in your personal life as well. So definitely check that out. All right. So that's it for today. Interested in your thoughts, comments, and questions, you can drop me a line at steve at stevemccready.com. It's always good to hear from my listeners. And next time I'll be back with another interview. This is one that is going to cover a whole bunch of things, but especially one of the points that I'm really looking forward to sharing is where we talk about um, an example of how uh, this particular company has been able to have a, a surprising and broad impact and through how they operate as a business. It's a really cool story and I'm looking forward to sharing it with you in a couple of weeks. Until then, keep moving forward. I'll talk to you soon.